Hello? Hey, so you got it all working? Uh, my computer? Yeah. I wouldn't describe it as all working. Okay. Uh, my sense is that all computers are <clears throat> some percentage broken from the moment you open the box. <laughs> yeah. And the amount of brokenness they are is hidden from you um, and only reveals itself like when you need it the most. You need the computer the most. Right. And then uh, I also have kind of a, I don't know, just like like a like a spooky primitive religious feeling that computers are also fixing themselves all the time. Uh, but I know that that's also probably not true and that their brokenness is just, it continues a, a pace. Like I was thinking as I was updating the software today that probably when it updates the software, it also um, updates all the permissions Right, all the broken little permissions that need to be fixed by some kind of voodoo every once in a while. I was like, well, of course, the designers probably when they're updating the software, they also go through and like update all the permissions and fix all the other wonky stuff. Because why wouldn't they? Yeah. But then I realized, of course, they don't because probably the two sides of the computer business where the two groups operate never speak. They have different lunchrooms. <laughs> yes. They're they're competing against one another for resources within the company. Why would they ever even think to collaborate on something so no, small? No. So the computer is working. I'm talking to you, but I think it is still full of digital cockroaches. It is, it is um, like has baked in planned obsolescence so that there's a clock, like a, like a James Bond, uh, like, bomb clock ticking in it yeah, all the time. Yeah. The problems that it was having. So for a long time, Dan, and I know that you're against this, but it popped up in the corner um, that I needed, up, I needed to update my software. I'm, am I against being notified that there's an update or am I against updating? No, you're against what I did, which is ignore the, ignore it. Oh, and, yeah. and then it would say it again. And I would say, tell me tomorrow. And it would say it again. And I would say, tell me tomorrow. And it would, uh, we just, we played this dance with each other every day for months and months because I don't want to update it because I worry. This is a computer that I bought from Jason Finn. I didn't buy it. I traded it. Hmm. For why? Uh, so a long time ago, back in the, does he uh, listen early, by the way to this show? Do you know? I have no idea. No, okay. He he might. I mean, I know you guys are texting all the time about your watches or underwear or whatever. We you, did whatever just you're we into. did just text about the uh, new Metallica watches that just came out. <laughs> have you heard about those? No, because I w I am not on any text thread where that would ever come up in conversation. Well, no, I mean I found it on a website and I just messaged it to him. <clears throat> I would not be on any website where that was something that could be found there. You don't think so? I'm 100% sure. Even if it were there, I my eyes would not see it. They would blot it out. But anyway, you and <laughs> Jason were just chatting about the Metallica watch. Yeah, that's a, that's the only thing we've said to each other in months. After he went out of town, it was so his images were so offensive. I had to I didn't block him or anything. I just had to to, to go away from him for a little while. Yeah. Uh uh, many years ago, the local radio station here, KEXP. Um, That's not the one you did the live performances on, is it? Yeah, there are live okay. performances I've done on KEXP. They're the you know they're the indie rock uh, station. They're broadcast globally on the internet at uh, yeah, right there. C Cinnamon live on KEXP. Scared straight yeah. live on KEXP. Yep. Long KXP winners full performance. Car parts pushover. I'll put all these in the show notes. Make America they, great again. They uh, they have supported the band from the very beginning. I, I I attribute a lot of our success in the marketplace to KEXP's patronage, uh, and KEXP is a is a listener supported station. And every uh, I don't know year or half a year, they have a a fun drive. And if you donate at a certain level, you get a prize. And it's just like any radio station; you get a mug or you get a 
I don't know, tote bag or something, but, uh, but they're, they're a cool station and they gave away at some point years ago, they gave away a bike messenger bag that was bright orange and it said KEXP on it. Mm. And <clears throat> as bike messenger bags go, it wasn't the best bike messenger bag. You know, it was, um, it was exactly the size of a stack of 12 inch records. So it, was a bike messenger bag or maybe it was like a DJ bag, mm-hmm. but it didn't have any pockets. It didn't have any Velcro. It was just had a snap. You know, it was sort of like, meh, like, you know, sort of a bleh, bag. Yeah. It was good looking though. Anyway, Jason had one and it was like his signature bag. And I think at the time we all had them because, you know, I mean, everybody in the town, whatever had them. Uh, but, Long after they, everybody else's bag went away, Jason was still rocking that bag. He mm. rocked it, rocked it, and rocked it everywhere. It was just his, like, it was his look, that bag. He put all his stuff in it. Somehow he made it work for him. And then I don't know what happened. It fell apart or it got stolen or it got run over by an elephant or some, <laughs> for some reason, Jason's bag went away and it broke his heart. He could never replace it. Every bag that he got was just this poor imitation of this old cheap janky KEXP bag. And then I was going through one of the many, many, many <clears throat> boxes of boxes that I have here. And inside of a box that was inside of another box, I found a bag that was full of bags. And at the bottom of the bag of bags, there was a pristine orange KEXP bike bag. And I was just going to give it to him. Just like, here's a gift. I don't care about this and you do care about it. Right. That's the best kind of gift, right? I have this thing. I don't, I mean, I guess the best kind of gift is I have this thing I really care about and I know you really care about it and I'm going to give it to you anyway. That's a great, kind of gift. Now the second best kind of gift is I found this thing that doesn't matter to me, but I know you love it. So here it is. I guess the worst kind of gift is I, I hate this thing and I know you hate it, but I'm going to give it to you and force you to huh. force you to act happy about it. Maybe the worst kind of gift is a venereal disease, but, and actually that, <laughs> that is, was described by my sentence prior. So same. Anyway, I gave it to him and somehow in some kind of flippity-do, you know, Jason doesn't like to receive gifts or praise, Mm. but he does like to have, he does like to make deals. And so he said that he would give me, maybe I was over at his house and he had some computer stacked against the wall and I was like, what's, what are you doing with that computer? And he's like, ah, I got to get it out of here. It's, it's not good anymore. And I was like, you know why don't you give it to me? And he was like, blah, 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 blah. and then I said, Oh, I've got this bag. So anyway, we made, we, we met at a steak restaurant. He had this computer, um, which is, a, you know, an iMac from 2012. And, uh, I had this like special bag and we traded. So I have this iMac from 2012 and it's got, 2.7 gigahertz Intel core. Mm-hmm. It's got eight gigabytes, 1600 megahertz DDR threes. Mm-hmm. It's got your NVIDIA GeForce GT 64 M 512 megabytes graphics card. Yeah. It's got all that stuff. It's running 10.13.6. Hi, Sierra. Okay, very nice. So here it is. I'm Just not even look. on High Sierra. Oh, you're not? I, and I, I never will be. I have never installed it on a machine, and I, I never will. Well, okay. so now now I'm, I'm curious about this, Dan, because I didn't want to. No, I wouldn't have. Oh, well, I said that's the thing. I didn't want to, but it insisted that I do it. No. Now, how did you get away from it sitting there insisting all the time that you upgrade your software? Because it, it insists, this computer insists every day. I, I get software updates that it that it wants to install, and I embrace I embrace software updates because those usually fix security bugs and things like that. Yeah. I usually let them mellow for a couple days before I 
install them straight away because you know there can always be a problem. But after the first few days, if the update's still there, but if it's a straight up security update, I'll almost always install that immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as upgrading, I mean, I got a notification. I'm sure when High Sierra came out that it was you know it was available, and I just dismissed that, and it has never asked me again since. And uh, really? I don't plan to upgrade anything except, I mean, I'll do Mojave, but I've heard so many nightmares about High Sierra, so many nightmare stories yeah. that I'm just uh, steering clear of that entire release. And What's I, Mojave? Is that the next thing? Yeah, that's the new one that I don't remember the, I'll have to Google it, uh, the Mojave release date. I wonder when that is. Well, see, uh, I didn't want October. to put High Sierra. So October oh, is when Mojave will come out. And of course, I won't put it on in October. I might put it on in December or January, but I will go to that one because that one actually, I think, is better. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this because mm. when I put it on here, yeah, I I, uh, I was horrified or I was terrified. I was uh, I was all those things huh? because I felt pretty sure based on how uh, my experience with uh, Macintosh Apple uh, products has been in the past that there is a certain fail safe point uh, where if your uh, DRM3 um, authenticators are blown up uh, then you're not going to be able to ever talk to uh, home base again they right. won't be able to get you up on the on the horn at, back at SAC and what that means is that <laughs> I would update my software and then it would brick the computer I absolutely bricked a uh, an iPad one time by by updating the software. Sure, bricked it. You can't useless. you can't really brick a uh, a computer though. Really? Yeah, technically, I mean, you can't really brick a computer because computers almost always have components that you can get to and hard drives and things like that. I mean, I guess I guess maybe if it was a newer computer that was completely sealed I I guess it would be possible for you, but even in those situations, and I'm trying to think of an exception to this, maybe with a Chromebook because I have no experience with a Chromebook. But with any Mac or PC, you can always put boot media on there and boot it and rescue it and reformat the drive, whereas of course you're locked out of that uh, if you have an iPhone or an iPad or a Nintendo Switch or something, th- those are brickable. I mean, do you remember when you first got an iPhone, how how great it was? It worked really, really well. It yeah. was fast. It was fun. And then there was some update that came along that like absolutely intentionally slowed everything down and <laughs> made it work poor, more poorly. I, I know what you're talking about. Sure. Remember the day where you were like, oh, I, I love my thing. I'm just going to update the software because I trust this company. And then it was, I mean, immediately you were like, no, 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 no. Let me go back. Let me go back. This is this is way worse. Let me go back. And there was no way to go back. Yeah. And uh, and that, I mean, I, Apple lost so much of my trust that and now I don't trust them at all. But I put this on there, um, this high Sierra. And it it burbles along, but I'm just waiting for the day that I do something, I follow their instructions, and what they have done is make my thing a thousand times worse because they don't care about me. And so all of their friendly little like, hey, it's time for an update. I'm like, fuck you, enemy. Mm. You are the fucking enemy of me if you if because because the thing is they there's no transparency right they're not like hey if you want this here's what it does if you don't that's understandable we totally maintain all of our old stuff so if you just want to run like an iPhone 3 with the old iPhone 3 software like we keep it so that it works it's not a problem like we maintain everything it's not that ex- much extra work we're super ultra billionaires so we can afford to have five people over here that are just keeping legacy stuff running that's not what it is. It's like you have one option. Push the button or or go die. I mean, that's the the, the only other option is go die, right? There's not a there's never an opt out. Right. And so you know, so I just I just lumber along here with my iMac to 21.5 inch late 2012 computer waiting for the day that it just 
it's not that it smokes. It's not that it burns up. It's not that it, uh, something mechanical stops working. It's that somebody in Cupertino decides that they're going to add something to it that ruins it forever. Hmm. You don't have those fears. Well, but the thing is you probably take your old computers and give them to Catholic social services and buy new computers every once in a while. I mean, I, <clears throat> I do get a new computer once in a while, but um, it's not, not as often as it was many years ago. Back in the hot times. Back in the hot times. Now, like, now it's I, been six months. Yeah, right. No, it's been six months since something new came out. God, I, this piece of crap is unusable. This is going in the garbage. No, not anymore. I I try to keep them much much longer than I used to. So what's your computer? What are you sitting at right now? I am uh this is actually a rel is actually a relatively new one. I'd had my previous computer, a MacBook Pro thirteen inch. I'd had that f- since it was brand new probably four years maybe uh so that was that was a while three to four years for the one that i previously had that is my son's computer now laptop uh, yeah laptop i stick with laptops these days and i have for a long time um i do dock to a screen so i plug a screen into it uh and uh, then i like, it, a, like a big fat screen 21 inch screen oh so not not that big Nah, i don't i don't need a big screen um, what about for what about for gaming dan I don't game on a computer. I have a Nintendo Switch. Oh. So I don't I don't play games. What's, an, what's a Nintendo Switch? It is the latest Nintendo console. Uh oh. I guess it's about a they came out about a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. My kids love it. It's my favorite console I've ever had, maybe since then in Super Nintendo back in, in the old days. But, Do you play Halo? Uh, no, Halo is not on the Switch. That's a Microsoft uh, platform game, so you can play that on uh, on your Xbox, which I don't. I, I don't have any Xboxes. But the kind of games that y- you should be thinking of are games like Zelda and Mario and Splatoon and Mario Kart and the fun kinds of games that are friendly, mostly friendly for kids, as opposed to the serious killing kind of games where there there are some of those. Yeah, but mostly, uh, it's f- most Nintendo games are are acceptable for families, and uh, I just have so much fun with this thing. I love it. I'm an advocate. I'm like Nintendo should be paying me because I'm. I, I just had a, a call earlier today with somebody who was thinking about getting a Nintendo Switch, and I, uh, I I went off the rails and talked for like 20 minutes about how much I love it and how great it is. But so if I game, it's going to be on the on the Switch. I won't game. I don't game on the Mac. The Mac is very boring. It's as stock as I can keep it. I install as little software as I absolutely need on it, and I'm mainly just sitting there looking at a a black screen with text on it, writing code all day, and once in a while editing a show. And that's that's pretty much my my mo. But it is a newer Mac. It's a MacBook Pro 13 inch. It came out in 2017. It's the kind that has four Thunderbolt ports and the horrible, horrible, horrible. Uh, uh, ridiculous. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the touch bar. It's so bad, but it has, it oh. has the touch bar. It's the worst, but all oh, the touch bar. It's oh. so bad, but that's uh, what I use. That's what I use. And it's plugged into a nice screen. And I look at the screen when I'm at my desk. And then when I leave, I disconnect it and I take it with me and I look at the built in screen. It's so funny that I have never, ever, ever let you talk about Nintendo on this show. Even one single minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there you just got away with like Nintendo and I just sat, I just sat there like a placid cow. Do you not like Nintendo? Do you not want to talk oh, about Nintendo? No, I don't have any idea. I haven't gamed. I, I'm not a gamer. No, I can't. I can't even imagine. Like, I feel like you would like some of the war games that are available, not the strategy games, but like, uh, you know, like, like the, the, the shooting running around. I'm a soldier and I'm in a, in a platoon and I'm going to go and, and, and kill people. Yeah, but I don't have the hand-eye coordination to learn all those different key combinations. Well, it's it's in a on a on a computer it would be harder, but if you're playing it on a on a gaming console then it's just just the controller. It's not that there's not nothing to worry about there. Well, yeah, but you got to do the like left plus the up button and then right plus the down button and you have to like do all these little, you have to, and you're changing guns and stuff. I mean, I watch people play them and I'm like, what the hell is going on? 
like I, I will play those games when I can be in a holodeck and like make finger guns and it turns into guns, but uh-huh. like sitting with a controller, the interface, the whole like idea that I'm in this immersive environment with my eyes, but it's all happening with my little hands mm. kind of like working on some like Sputnik in my hands, some badly, badly uh, shaped Sputnik. I don't, I don't know. I just want to be Sputnik meaning the, the satellite. Yeah. I mean, and just a little, like a little ball with a bunch of antennas coming off of okay, it. Okay. All right. It's a, it's a bad analogy because the thing does, it's not a ball. Those things look like little, uh, bat signals, uh-huh. right? they they look like little Batman things, All right. but they got an antennas coming off of them and they're just little devices, right? They're not, it's a device that you, that's the thing. It's a device you're not meant to look at. You get it in your hand and you get some muscle memory around it. You never look down at your thing. It's never, like no, never look down at your thing. Right. No, it's like a 10 key, right? People that are really good at 10 key. Yes. And they can just sit and, and put stuff, input stuff all that, day. That was me in high school. I mean, I, I admire, I admire 10 key operators. I admire any kind of operator. I might admire somebody that can type 80 words a minute, uh, and not ever look at their hands. But like the whatever, whatever the getting over the hump of feeling that controller as being an intuitive part of one's anatomy. I know younger people, they don't remember a time before they had a controller in their hands. So it just doesn't make sense to them what I'm saying. Yeah. But I never, I never held one. The only time I've held one of those little Nintendo controllers or whatever they are. Because it's kind of a universal thing, right? It's like a trackball. You can go to the store and buy one, and it works with everything. A controller. Um, if you're like, they're like a gamer. Do you bring your controller with you when you go places? I no. I mean, yes, probably. There are there are a few controllers that can work with multiple platforms, but generally speaking, the answer would be no. You're going to use the controller that comes with or is designed for the console that you're using. So if you're using a PlayStation 4, you'd use the PlayStation 4 controller. If you were using an Xbox, you'd probably use an Xbox controller. And certainly if you're on the Switch, you're going to use the built-in Joy-Cons or you're going to get the Pro Controller. Oh, built-in Joy-Cons. Yeah, people like those. I know people that use those, but most people want want the Pro Controller and I highly recommend the Pro Controller. I'll put, you know what, I'll do some, I'll do some links in the show notes for people who want to be, go based on my recommendation. I'll tell you what, Mm. I understand why you you claim to not be a gamer, but have you ever played computer games, strategy games, uh, things like turn-based games where you don't have to memorize lots of key combinations and you have time to think? So someone, the enemy opponent would make their moves and you you could calculate your moves and it's like a strategy war type game. No, I have never played those either. I think you'd I think you'd really like those. Well, maybe. I mean, so I'm sad to say, I'm embarrassed to say that I do spend a lot of time playing computer games, but it is like solitaire. Like, yeah, it's like dumb old people games mm-hmm. like Mahjong, mm-hmm. and it's not um, it's not any kind of interesting game that like really. Uh, is it's definitely not interactive. It's not, uh, I don't have any kind of peer group. I'm not on a message board about it. I don't know anything. I don't know any tricks. I mean, every time I, I start to play threes. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's but just that's, like, that I'm, is a, an iOS game. Am I wrong about that? I thought that was not. Okay. Do you consider that to be a computer game when you say you play computer games? Oh, uh, yes. All, mo- all the games that I play that are computer games are on my phone. Okay. A lot of people would call those uh, like games on your phone, phone as opposed phone to games. phone games or iOS games maybe or. Well, I mean, that's so sitting at my computer door, the only game I've ever played on a computer is a Microsoft Minesweeper. And at a certain point, about 10 years after I last had a Microsoft computer, no, maybe 15 years after I last had one, I was like, you know, I still miss Minesweeper after all this time, 15 years, and there's still a hole in my heart where Minesweeper was. 
And so I went and found that you can play it on a computer. You can, or on an Apple, I mean. You can get Microsoft Minesweeper on the Apple. And so I got it, and I played it a little bit, but it was just not the same. It wasn't the same as the old days. I could never get back to, you know, those halcyon early years when yeah. Minesweeper and I would spend six hours together sweeping mines. Yeah, sure. You know, the the innovation with Minesweeper, of course, is after a while you don't have to put flags on things that you think are mines. You just you just know, right? You just know, yeah. right? And you just get going real fast then. Oh, so so graceful. I don't know, too many key combinations for me to remember on with that thing. <laughs> but I don't have... I don't have any computer game. I don't know. I don't even know what, how you would begin to play a game on your computer because I wouldn't know what, I wouldn't know where to start. Well, this seems like a good time to say thanks very much to our sponsor. It's Away. I love that. I just went on a trip and I used my Away suitcase again and it was awesome. Technically, you know, I don't know. Do we call these suitcases or carry-ons? I should be calling in carry-on because that's the size that I have. They do make bigger ones. They make uh, medium and large size uh, suitcases for extended stays. But the one that you guys are probably interested in, which is the one that I love, is the, just the straight-up carry-on. Now, they do have a bigger – they call it the bigger carry-on. But the carry-on – and you know what? I saw no less than two or three other people with an away suitcase on my flight. And that made me feel pretty cool. I thought, you know, these these guys are doing a great job and more and more people are hearing about them. And I kind of wondered to myself, I wonder if they used our promo code to buy their away suitcase because they should. So let me tell you about what this what makes this thing so cool. These carry-ons are resilient. They're resourceful. And for me, at least, they've become essential for the way that I travel. They're super, super lightweight. They're made out of German polycarbonate, which is an incredibly strong material. It's also impact resistant. And like I said, best of all, it's lightweight. When you pick up your carry-on, okay, you don't want to be like, well, that's kind of heavy, and then realize it's empty. That's the worst. These things, without stuff in them, you you barely feel like you're lifting anything. Super light, and I love that. They have a built-in patent-pending compression system. So if you're like me and you wind up packing exactly what you need and then you wind up like buying something, maybe you buy a shirt or you buy some presents for your kids or your spouse and you're like, oh crap, where am I going to put it? How am I going to fit it? They they have a way for you to fit it with this compression system. They've got the 360-degree spinner wheels, four of them. So you can stand there upright. You don't have to have this thing pulling it behind you when you're just moving around in a line or something at the, at the airport. So convenient. TSA approved combo lock built into the top. It's got a removable, washable laundry bag so you can keep the dirty clothes separate from the clean clothes. And best of all, and this is this is like their claim to fame, they have a built-in charger. Now, the new uh, versions, the ones that you would get on the site today in these carry-ons, uh, the charger is removable. And that's something that TSA did. They said it, you're required to be able to remove the charger. So they've made that part of it. Now you can pull the charger out, no big deal. But this charger, you can charge your cell phones, tablets, e-readers, your Nintendo Switch, uh, anything that's powered by a USB cable. And, and, and to give you an idea how, long, how good this battery is, a single charge of the Away carry-on will charge your iPhone five times. So there's a lot of charge. You can use it. You can use it on multiple devices. Your friend can use it. It's very cool. And here's the best part. They want you to take this thing and try it for 100 days. They want you to use it and travel with it and take it out there and be in the world with it. And they're, they're so confident that you're going to like it. They give you 100 days to try it out. That's pretty cool. And I think that you're going to like it. And here's the deal. 20 bucks off any suitcase. Go to awaytravel.com slash roadwork and use the promo code roadwork when you check out and you get 20 bucks off a suitcase. How cool is that? So again, the URL that supports the show is awaytravel.com slash roadwork and the promo code you're going to use when you check out is roadwork and you'll get that 20 bucks off. Thanks very much to Away for making this show possible. There was a while I had some friends that worked at Xbox and it seemed like it would be an easy thing to get them to send me an Xbox. Right. It's uh, right there in Seattle. They could walk it to you. 
Yeah, and they and they offered like, hey, you want an Xbox sometime? And I was like, well, you got great friends. I don't don't have a TV, so I'd have to get a TV to play an Xbox. And then pretty soon I've got a TV and an Xbox. At the time, I think I probably would have then needed a DVD player. And it just seemed like a big bunch of, it just seemed like a bunch of wires that I would have to hook up. And so I sort of just, I don't think I ever said, no, I don't want an Xbox. I just didn't say, yes, I do want an Xbox. And I still feel that way. I don't necessarily not want a, a Nintendo, but I would need, I would need like a week of coaching. I would need it to be brought into the house and hooked up and then made in such a hooked up in such a way that it was foolproof. And then I would need to be taught what was fun about it. And that's a tall order. I don't want to hire a task rabbit to do that. I'd like you to come over for four straight days and play video games with me and teach me why they're fun. I don't think you need to be taught why they're fun. I can definitely see the value in having somebody savvy come over and, uh, and, and, and hook it up for you. I don't, yeah, I don't well, think I mean, there's anything wrong or anything to worry about, about that. Yeah. But, but you know, I can, I can follow an instruction book. Need, I'm kind of exaggerating that. You part. don't need anyone to teach you why something's fun. Well, I don't know. Maybe I do. I mean, because I watch people play video games and I go, huh. Well, yeah, but that's watching and not playing. You've got to play it. You've got to play it. fun. Well, but like, so I'm the generation that Okay, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. All right, all right, all right. Pause. Have you ever ever, uh, watched a concert on television? Uh, well, when, um, this is an easy question. Yes or no. Have you watched a concert on television? When Judas Priest, (laughs) yes or no, (laughs) when the Judas Priest album screaming for vengeance came out, Uh when did screaming, have you ever seen the song remains the same movie? Uh, yes. Okay. So it, it wasn't that horrible. Wasn't it a horrible movie? But I'm sure that you've seen concerts that you really enjoyed. And even better than that, you, you've you done something that I certainly haven't done and that most of us listening probably haven't done. You've played a concert in front of a big audience who loved you. I've actually, there's actually a DVD of a Long Winter's show. See, like a, I want to watch that. A full film. But if you gave me the choice between watching it on TV or attending a concert or somehow, like they did in, in the movie Brainstorm, I could actually like be you on stage. I would pick the latter. I would want to be on stage if I thought I could do that. Or if I was you, I would think you would have a lot of fun playing a concert or at the very least being there in person. I think it's the same thing when you're watching a video game. If you watch someone else play, you're like, eh, all right, like that's fine. It's very different when it's you doing it. Now, there, there, are, there is the whole Twitch phenomenon which is twitch is a service that you might have heard of that uh people can go and watch other people playing video games there's a huge industry now around watching other people play video games Uh, however for people like you and me and probably i would guess some of our audience i i think there's a lot more fun in playing the game and then watching someone becomes more fun later so if, if you've played the game a lot then watching someone else play it, it can can still be fun because you get to see, oh, they're doing this well or they do this wrong or, or oh, I never thought to try that. But I, I feel like you watching someone play a game is very different experience than playing the game yourself. Uh-huh. And I equate it to the difference between uh, watching a concert on TV or being there or even playing in the concert. Uh-huh. So I think, you, I think we've got to get someone urgently to get a yeah. gaming console to your house and hook it up. And I don't think you'd need to be taught why it was fun. Well, I, I, um, as, as uh, now, wait a minute, you and I are separated by how many years, four years, Yeah, four, three, five, four years. Yeah. Five years, four years. That's not a lot. I mean, at our age now, that's nothing on the but in video game in early days of video game years that's a lot yeah that could that could be something nowadays still not not a big deal uh but back in the in the early days i mean didn't you tell me was it you that said you never had a video game console in your house ever no no i had an intellivision 
Oh, right, right, right. You had the Intellivision. We did talk about this. I'll have to dig up that episode. But my dad was an early video game pioneer. My dad owned the concession for Pong. Episode 8083, my Intellivision blister. Yeah. Okay. And you talk an Intellivision blister. You talk about uh, Minesweeper. And uh, and and the year in television. So I'll put that's episode eighty three going in the show notes for people who haven't listened that far back or who want to revisit it way back in September of twenty seventeen. Uh, is that right? It was all the way back, almost a year ago. Well, my so my dad in Anchorage in the mid seventies. Um, and I don't know how. And I, I don't I, stop me if we've talked about this. I have no idea how he um, how he got into this at all. But that, you know, early on, video games like arcade games were kind of in the same class as gambling devices. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at least it, it, as as far as like the way that uh, that they were treated in the it, it, like by the taxing authorities, and when Pong first arrived, you know they were in uh, they were in wood tabletop consoles meant to be where, where you're meant to sit down, and they mm-hmm. had kind of smoked glass tops where you could set your drink. And you would sit and and play pong against either the computer or your opponent. And my dad invested in. I wish he were still alive so I could ask him what the how the hell this came about because I never actually figured it out. But he owned a bunch of them. He owned the concession to put pong in bars in Anchorage, including bars on the military base. And at a certain point, our garage had like 20 broken Pong games in it. And it also had uh, like aerial combat, which was a, that was one that you stood up at uh, where your biplane could fly loop to loops and shoot little (laughs) at other biplanes. Like we had, we had video games. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, and it kind of made me a little, it made me a little popular with kids around the neighborhood because you could come over to my garage and we could, we'd plug in a bunch of different games until we found one that worked. And um, I'm talking about plug them into an extension cord. Right. And I had a key to the cash boxes so that when, so that I could open the little door and push the reset button so we could play as much as we wanted. Also, sometimes games in there, I would open the door and the, and the box would be full of quarters. Like they wouldn't have emptied them out. My dad was not a very good businessman. No. <laughs> and <laughs> somehow being the, like the early adopter of video game, uh, you know, and this is not what he was doing for a living. He was a lawyer. He was doing like, he was the lawyer for the, for the Alaska railroad. I have no idea how he got into this how video doing game business. Well, and it seems like all those arcade games, like I say, they were gambling consoles or they were, it was all like mob stuff, right? Like anything you put quarters in like that, where it was a cash economy that you, um, it, it all ended up being controlled by the mob one way or another. Feels like laundry, soap dispensers and famous mafia thing. Yeah. But we had those video game consoles bouncing around in the garage until the mid eighties. I think he was long out of the, out of the game then because by the time there were arcades, proper arcades by 1980, he wasn't in the, he wasn't in the business anymore. I have no, I honestly, I swear to you there, like there's a list of five things I wish I had asked him while he was still alive. And now I'm adding this to that list. It's six, six items long now. But so, so video games to me were, were always, they always cost a quarter after, after Pong, after my dad's like Pong monopoly went away. Uh (laughs) I like that. You know, they cost a quarter (laughs) and, 
I didn't have an infinite number of quarters. And so I got into the habit, I think, of standing and watching other people play video games because it was social. It seemed like I was getting maybe one third the value of actually playing it myself, just sort of watching it be played. Like the experience of of watching Dig Dug go around and, and blow up dragons. Mm-hmm. It's not as great if you're not doing it yourself, but also if you're watching somebody better than you, I mean, you get to spend more time at, in the environment. You sure. get to go, you get to blow up more dragons than just be, you know, me kind of in the defender landscape using all my smart bombs in the first three minutes and then just running for my life basically. Cause I, you know, I, there was something in me that wasn't, that didn't like go all the way into, to, uh, moon explorer or, or, uh, Zaxxon or whatever, and just stay in there. Right. Yeah. I, Zaxxon. Yeah. Primarily because they were, they represented quarters. Like how many quarters would I have to put into a Zaxxon before I could stay in one, before one quarter would produce, uh, 25 minutes of Zaxxon time. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to spend a lot of money and I just didn't, I didn't have the money, and I'm also I was thrifty, which is maybe part of the problem. Part of the p- problem of all of this. Part of the reason I have a 2012 computer instead of sure. a 2018 one. Right. This terrible thriftiness. But by the time kids had video games in their house, that original Nintendo, the one that looked like a, it was like Battleship Gray or something light yeah, gray. Yeah. Yep. With the two buttons on the front. Yep. Two buttons. I don't know. It already felt like something that belonged to a subculture. I wasn't a member of, and I wasn't that old, Dan. I mean, I, it's, it's weird to think when did Nintendo, the first Nintendo, 1984, 1982. I am looking up the launch of the NES. It was nine, July 15th, 1983, 1983. Yeah. So, so July of 83, I was 14, 14 years old. That doesn't seem like you would already be a crusty curmudgeon at 14 years old. But right. that, that, that thing came out and I was like, ah, that seems like it's for 12 year olds. Yeah. See, I was 12. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So, but I mean, I, is, yeah, I guess, I guess there's a huge difference between a 12 year old and a 14 year old. You know what I mean? Like, when you're, when you're 14, you think so. Yeah. Like now looking back, I can barely identify what I was doing at 12. It was, I mean, I was working when I was 13 and I wasn't working when I was 12, but like, if you saw a 12 year old and now that you have, uh, now that you have children that are in that zone, if you saw a 12 year old and a 14 year old next to each other, could you tell them apart? Yeah, I think I could. Yeah, I definitely could. But you know, now like two years now is nothing. 10 right. years now is barely anything. But back then, two years, that's a different world. You're a different human. But that doesn't mean you couldn't enjoy the game. I think there were plenty of people who were 14, 15. And I'll tell you what, the most popular, I think gaming systems today are just as popular with adults as they are with, with children. Oh, for shizzle. <laughs> for shizzle, my nizzle. Uh-huh. But, you know, I ran... <laughs> I just ran it. So the other day I had those two guys, uh, two of my motorcycle buddies from Oregon drove up here because at the, uh, so my friend Ben, who is an architect in Portland and his friend Gregor, who is a, a, a photographer, they both are, um, they find relaxation in uh, fixing machines and in, yeah. in working with machines, tools and gizmos and gears. And, and, um, you know, we share a lot of similar, uh, interests like, uh, guitars and guns and stereo equipment and so forth. But it, but their interest is coming from the other side, right? Which is the side of like, how does this work? Like I took it apart and I put it back together and the, like the precision of the instruments and the, you know, um, which is stuff I appreciate, but like I come, come at those things from the other side, which is, which is kind of the spooky voodoo side. Like, yeah, I don't know, you know, that 
like this guitar and this guitar look the same and they were made the same day, but this one has got voodoo energy and that one is cold. And you know, like it's a, there's a coming at it from different worldviews. Anyway, they're down in Portland and I've got these Vespas up here that I've had for my whole life. Yeah, I saw a picture of you with a, a Vespa that you had said you'd had for 30 years or something. 34 years. Wow. That Vespa and I have been together. Ever since I was 15, just one year after the Nintendo came That's out. That's amazing. And the thing about that Vespa is over the years, I've gone through periods where I rode it all the time, rode it every day, and then, you know, it'll start to rain or something, and I'll put the Vespa away for the winter. And then in the spring, I sort of forget to get the Vespa going again because I'm doing something else. And then pretty soon it's like the end of the summer and I go, Oh, I never got the Vespa out, Well, it's already the end of the summer. And then pretty soon I haven't used it in a couple of years and the spooky voodoo gets on it, which is to say there are lots of people like, like Ben and Gregor who just look at the Vespa and they go, it's a machine and getting it running is a question of getting fuel to it and spark to it. And, and then if that doesn't work, figuring out why. But for me, it's like I haven't run it in two and a half years. There's got to be something desperately wrong with it now. Something's happened. Mm-hmm. Like the ghost is either upon it or has gone out of it. <laughs> and so now when I walk out and look at the Vespa under its cover in the barn, I, I, like, I shudder a little because I feel like I've done it I've done it a disservice and it's judging me from under its blanket. And yet I wouldn't begin to know how to make up the, make up the damage to it. I wouldn't know how to make amends. And so then a third year goes by and a fourth year. And this has happened several times in the 34 years that we've been together, this Vespa and I. We would like to say thank you very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. Listen, Squarespace helps you turn your great idea into a beautiful website. And this is the thing. The way that they work, it's genius. You don't need to know anything about HTML or CSS or even know what that means. You don't need to worry about hosting. You don't need to worry about anything. It's all right there with Squarespace. You log in, you create a site. Heck, you can even have that. You can even build your logo with Squarespace. You can register a domain name with Squarespace. Anything that you want to do, and it's so simple and it's so easy. And one of my friends was just saying, oh man, I got to go on. I got to hire someone to, uh, to build me a website. I said, yeah, you do hire Squarespace because it's the best thing going. Unlimited pages, galleries, blogs. You got unlimited bandwidth, unlimited storage, two contributors. So you can have your friend helping out. Every site is mobile optimized. They've got metrics built in. You get a free custom domain. If you if you sign up and pay annually, you can do an annual purchase where you pay for the whole year. You get a free domain. SSL security is included, 24-7 customer support, and you're going to get that beautiful, simple website. It's amazing. Built-in e-commerce. You name it. They've thought of it. And a lot of the ideas that make their website great comes from people like us who use Squarespace. Say, oh, do you guys have this? Well, we'll build that. And if you have enough customers and they've got a lot, eventually you have all the features that anyone could possibly think of. And again, they make it so easy to use and it's such a great experience. And I want you to try it. Or if you already have a website with Squarespace and you hear someone else saying, I need to get a website, you say, go to squarespace.com slash roadwork. That's the place to go. Squarespace.com slash roadwork. You get a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, you use the offer code roadwork and you will save 10% off your first purchase of a website, or if you just want a domain, you can just go and register a domain at Squarespace. Same promo code ROADWORK, and you will save 10% off your domain too. So go check it out again. The URL to go to is squarespace.com slash ROADWORK and use that promo code ROADWORK to save 10%. Thanks very much to Squarespace for their continued support. So this year marked the third year since the Vespa had run. And I, and I felt this, this doom upon me again, like, ugh, it'll never run again. And Mm -hmm. now it's just like, oh, what, what can I do? Should I give it a Viking funeral? Should I go out there and apologize to it? 
And so Ben and Gregor heard this and they were like, oh, well, we'll just come up and get it running. I was like, well, I don't know. It's probably not going to be that easy. Well, they drove up here and they looked at it for a minute and kicked the tire and uh, put the key in it and kicked it a couple of times and started right up and just started and sat there, put, 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 just as though it had never, just as though three years had not passed. And I said, well, you know, you guys really know your stuff. <laughs> they didn't do anything to it. You know, it just, and they were like, yeah, well, we're pretty expert mechanics. The problem was something had happened in the interim and now the Vespa wouldn't stop running. Um, you turn the key off, you turn the motor, you turn the kill switch off. And it would just keep running? It just kept running. It wouldn't oh, stop. That's not good. And they were like, it's, it's Christine now. Yeah. I was like, it is Christine. They're just running out of gas. So we were standing there like, what do we do? It's, we should run out of, you know, we have to run it out of gas or something. I don't know. Run it into a wall. <laughs> and, uh, and so Gregor and Ben and I have a, have another friend named Gino and Gino lives in New York. He owns an Italian restaurant down there on Ludlow street. Gino and Gino is from Napoli and he has all these stories when he was a kid because he's my age you know he, all these stories of wheeling Vespas through the street, streets of Naples and I mean you know and he's Italian so like w- at least one third of the stories you can't possibly believe but you could say that about Alaskans too and in, in the case of Alaskans all those stories are true so maybe his stories are true too well we called him and we said, we got this problem. The Vespa won't stop. And, and Gino said, I never had a key for a Vespa my whole life. You stall it. You stall it. And it'll stop. That's how, we, that's how we do it in Italy. You ride it until you get where you're going, and then you stall it, and it quits. And then when you start it up again, it runs again. It's like stall it by what? what like shifting just, into? No, just pop the, pop the clutch and hold on to the brake. And it goes, <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> and I was like, that's an idea that not, you know, Ben, Gregor and I, with all of our combined, uh, brain power would, it would never occur to us to just, to just stall it. But that's the Italian method. Anyway, so now I have this, now I have the Italian style Vespa where apparently all the electronics have just bypassed themselves. It's not anything anybody did. The Vespa just decided I'm going to keep running even in spite of your neglect. And so last night I took her out and we drove around, we left the house at about five and I got home about one thirty. drove all over the town, riding through downtown in the middle of the night with no cars and no buses with this little guy, put, 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 there's, there's something about it, Dan, that's like, that's deeply threaded into who I am. Mm-hmm. It was my first motor vehicle. Yeah, that's cool. But to be motivated to do that seems to be to be motivated to get one of those when you're 15 seems in some ways to be contraindicated to desire to have a Nintendo NES console when you're 15. And maybe I'm wrong, but I bet you the Venn diagrams don't overlap that much. I, I'm a friend of mine who was from Ireland and had come to live in America, who worked at Publix with me, bagging groceries. Uh, Great sandwiches at Publix. Yeah. They had they used boar's head when, before anyone else. Oh, oh, they sure did. And he, I, I, I forget what the law was, but I, I can't remember if it was 14 or 15 in Florida, the age that you were allowed to ride. <clears throat> excuse me, one of those scooters like what you have. Mm-hmm. But he got one and he had saved up for it by working at Publix and I had been saving while working at Publix too and I wanted to get one too and my my mom said no. Right. She said, absolutely not. You are not getting one. <clears throat> my mom would have said no too. And this was like the first time that she flat out, it wasn't a negotiation. It wasn't, there wasn't a conversation. There wasn't conditions that had to be maybe met. It was just flat out. Absolutely. No, you are not going to get one. And I was like, well, Dara, that was his name. Dara. I said, Dara has one. 
He's like, I don't uh-huh. care what Dara has. You're not getting one. And I'm, this was like I, the only time in my life that I remember having like a shouting kind of fight with my mom where I left saying, this is not fair. She was always very, very cool and very agreeable. And she knew that I was like responsible and like she never gave me like a curfew and I never abused staying out too late. You know what I mean? Like it was that kind yep. of thing. Yep. At, but this was she was just unreasonably saying no to me. And I, I was completely outraged. And she's like in whether it was a year or two years, she's like, then you'll, you'll be 16. You'll be able to drive a car. That's that's what you're waiting for. They're too dangerous. You may not have one under any circumstances. And I'm like, Dara, let me ride his around the, his neighborhood. And it's fine. I can do it. It's no problem. Because I guess you had to break in the engine when you got one of these things new. Mm-hmm. And, and so the way that he broke in the engine was by riding it around his apartment complex. And so he, uh-huh. he let me take it around a bunch of times too. And, and she just said no. And of course, a month or two later, Dara got in a car accident. Uh, he was hit by somebody, wound up breaking his pelvis and spent weeks in the hospital. And so oh. she, you know, I, I'm not going to say she was right, but she was kind of right. Mm-hmm. But I never got to have one of these things. And maybe that's why... I spent my money on like Nintendo stuff instead. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, if I had been given the choice at the time, I know I wouldn't have picked Nintendo over the scooter. I know I would have got the scooter. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> I I had a great uh, way in, which was that if I had asked my mom, she would have said absolutely not. Exactly like your mom would have just absolutely not in a million years. But uh, I bought the Vespa in partnership with a friend, and he told his parents that I was buying it, and I told my parents he was buying oh, it. Oh, wow. But then the jig was up at a certain point when my friend's dad uh, called us together and said, I am not new, and I know enough about boys to know that if John bought this scooter, Kevin would not be riding it every single day. And he was a very wise man and we were all caught because we didn't have an answer. I mean, I was like, sure, Kevin can ride it, you know, all the time. And, and, uh, Dr. Horning said, no, Kevin parks this Vespa at our house <laughs> every night. And, no, there's no way that that he that there's not something fishy going on. Right. Here. And when it was discovered that Kevin had purchased this Vespa without telling his dad, he was he forced Kevin to sell his half of it to me for a dollar. <laughs> oh my god. And when Kevin's when Kevin handed me that dollar, he glared at me and he was like, This changes nothing. But he and I had signed a little contract, which I still have where he had agreed. And I, I'm sure I've told you this before. Maybe I talked to Merlin about it, but Kevin agreed that he would never want the only condition I put on us owning this Vespa together is that he would never let Chris Gills ride it. <laughs> and it's right in the contract. <laughs> he, Kevin was 16 and I was only 15, but I said right there, clause one, Kevin never gets to let Chris Gills ride this motorcycle. And Kevin let Chris Gills ride it because Chris Gills was too conv- – Chris Gills wouldn't take Too no persuasive, yeah. And, you know, Kevin was like, oh, John says you can't ride it. And Chris, was, I'm sure, was like, well, what are you, John Roderick's – like, was John your mom or right. something? Chris said right. something cool to him. Yeah. Hi, you know, high school cool. Uh-huh. Flipped him some – flipped him some shit. And Kevin was like, okay, you can ride it, but just don't wreck it. And Chris wrote it and wrecked it. Ah. And so then, so then Kevin was like, tried to pull his, this, this dollar means, you know, this dollar doesn't change anything. And I was like, except you violated the contract, my friend. (laughs) And so I held him to his, I held, I held him to his father's promise, which was that. And the thing is my mom, she was not excited that I had a Vespa. But you know, there, that was, that, those were laissez-faire times. 
in Alaska. She was just glad that I wasn't into guns. <laughs> 